Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for a long time and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. We've got a special guest today, and uh, special on a number of ways. That actually sounded like an insult when I said it that way. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, our, our, our guest was actually my youth minister when I was a pimply, actually before I was a pimply little uh, teenager. <laughs> like I, I was a late bloomer, and I'm oversharing again. But uh, nevertheless, <laughs> I met him um, when I was 14 years old, and he was the youth minister at uh, my parish. Uh, he has uh, since made a career out of pouring into ministry leaders and is uh, currently a diocesan director at, oh my gosh, it's one of the Oklahoma ones. I'm going to Oklahoma forget. City. Oklahoma City. <laughs> yes. There's only, there's it's only not Tulsa. 10. It's, yeah, yeah. So um, we've, got, we've got Jim Beckman here with us. He's also the founder and director of Impact Center, which is and, a ministry that, that builds ministry leaders as well. And Jim has Welcome, also Jim. been instrumental in my spiritual life and the journey of a blaze as well. I point to him and my experience at the Bosco Conference like eight years ago to one of my biggest conversion moments in my life. So Jim, we are happy to have It's you. great to be here. The reason why we invited you on is uh, about a month ago, you sent out an email to a number of ministry leaders just inviting them to pray a surrender novena with you. And uh, in, in about a week ago, there was a youth minister in the, in the state of Texas uh, that was fired from his job and I believe arrested for uh, some conduct that, that was highly inappropriate. And it, it kind of, it, it sounds horrible, it kind of paired well with the email. It was kind of a slap in the face and a wake-up call that uh, ministry leaders are at the front line and the devil is aware of it and there seems to be some spiritual attack because of it. So tell us, Jim, a little bit about what, what prompted you to send, send that email and invite people to prayer to surrender and kind of the pulse of ministry leaders uh, from where you see it. Well, I think what was happening for me, it was over a period of time uh, during, during the summer where I just kept uh, bumping into these experiences with different friends or stories that I would hear, you know, connected to friends uh, that all had this similar theme, you know, like you're, you're hearing about these couples who seemed like uh, had a great marriage and things, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're in, involved in ministry and then they're getting divorced and it would kind of, it would just hit with this almost like a shockwave. Uh, and then a couple of situations where I bumped into where people had fallen into some scandal uh, similar to the situation that happened in Texas, may, maybe not quite as widespread, you know, but then people experiencing a lot of hardship and difficulty and tragedy. And uh, it was just one thing like that after another, you know, over a period of a couple of months. And uh, one one morning I was sitting in, in my prayer and I came across this letter that I get like once a month from John Eldridge. And he was talking about the same thing. And he, he was saying how he's struck by the amount of tragic circumstances that keeps coming across his path and the, these dis, really disheartening stories. And um, so, so anyway, all, all, all of that movement for me, it, it just started stirring up something in my heart. Like it was almost a little bit of like, wake up. You got to be protecting the borders, you know? I think there's a way that we can find ourselves in ministry where we just get kind of lackadaisical about the way we're living. We start not paying attention to 
the little details because we're just busy. We're doing lots of things and running lots of activities and, you know, making resources and helping people and serving people. And sometimes you're not paying attention to the really important things like your own personal prayer and your, your own relationship with Christ and areas of sin and making sure you're staying sharp with your own disciplines and guarding your marriage, you know, and be, being invested in your, your marriage and, and your children, you know, your relationship with your children. And so like all, all of that stuff was all stirring in me when I sent that email. And I, I was just wanting to say to people like, look, I, I think we need to, I think we all need a, a little bit of a wake up, you know, like pay attention. I wonder if this isn't a little bit of what Peter was feeling back when he wrote in first Peter five, eight, he writes this line that I think speaks right to what we're talking about, where he says, be vigilant and sober. The enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Pope St. Leo the Great has this awesome line, you know, where he says, rouse yourself, man, and remember the Mm. dignity of your nature. You know, so like this isn't, this isn't a new sense, right? I think this is something that's been all throughout the history of the church. But I do think there's something unique in our time. And what happened last week in Texas is just another example of, you know, what's been a very, very hard year for the Catholic Church. When you let your defenses down, you kind of open yourself up to the influences of the world and of the enemy. The enemy is going to pick you off. If you don't have yourself surrounded in, in ways that you can be protected, he'll get you. I guess that that's what my sense was, and that's why I wanted to share it with anyone and everyone that I could. You know, I, I knew it was a word for me, but I, I felt like God was inviting me to share it with others too. And it's interesting because if, if you consider uh, a city that's fortified or ourselves being fortified, the wall doesn't come down all at once. It's not like in an instance or in a heartbeat or, or there was a, a big event that led to it. It's almost like brick by brick. And we as ministry leaders could see the wall, just one brick missing. That's okay. You know, the wall is still mostly there. And then, you know, half the bricks are gone, but we've gotten used to a smaller wall. Like we're still okay. And then one day it's completely eroded and the enemy is upon us. To keep playing with that analogy, we may just be looking in the wrong direction. We're looking at one wall and it looks great. But all around us, behind us, it's just crumbled, yeah, and it's gone, and and that's where we we it, we we feel like we're immune to what's going on out there, or immune to scandal, immune to to us doing things we shouldn't be doing. But all we're doing is looking at one section and saying, okay, this area is fine, and it may be our ministry, like the ministry we're doing is good, so I'm protected, you know. And you, you, there's this feeling that nothing can ever go wrong. Yeah, it's, it's almost like no one would wake up one morning and just say, like, I'm going to get divorced today. Yeah, right. right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get arrested today for child pornography. Uh, right? Yeah. Like, it, it's, it doesn't happen like that. Like, like you're saying, this happens gradually over time. And it's many, many, many small choices over time that lead to really a, a powerful force for evil in our lives sometimes without us even allowing ourselves to be aware of it, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and that's why a line that like Pope St. Leo says is so powerful. Like that's where we get into trouble is when we allow ourselves to be lulled to sleep. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of not fully awake, but we're not fully asleep. We're just kind of in that gray area, you know, where 
uh, that that's that's when you get in trouble. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree completely. To the ministry leader that's listening and hearing, I I've seen those uh, those those coffee mugs that say you know world's best boss, and I've seen those kind of uh, novelty mugs that also say world's okayest boss. <laughs> I think there's some ministry leaders that are like, well, I have the world's okayest prayer life, you know, and they're hearing this and maybe there's a little bit of Catholic guilt mixed in. But what do you recommend? How, how does one stay fortified when, when prayer is difficult, marriage is difficult, ministry is difficult, and there's almost like a fog or a mediocrity that kind of exists, and maybe that's them being lulled to sleep, right? How do we wake up? How do we shake it when we have some of the staples there, but they're just just good enough? Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's why in my response as I prayed about this, you know, because we, we could have done a novena to St. Michael, the archangel, or I, I could have sent out, sure. sent out some novena that was all about spiritual warfare and taking up your arms, you know. But I, I don't know, the, the more I prayed about it, I felt like the Lord was leading me to surrender. Um, because, I, I don't know, I guess the way I would look at it, like if, if somebody, if a robber came and attacked my house, my kids, they wouldn't go grab a baseball bat and run out and try and attack the robber. They, uh-huh. They'd run into my bedroom and hide behind me. I would get the baseball bat and I might confront the robber. But my kids, they would feel most safe and most secure running behind my protection. And I, I think there's a great spiritual principle in that, right? Like, like when I'm with Christ, when I'm holding his hand, when I'm close to him, and I'm maybe even standing behind him, he's my defender. He's, he's the warrior that's going to defeat the enemy. Uh, so I don't know if the response is to try and get, you know, to, to get up a sword or, or, or whatever and go try to fight the enemy myself. I, I think the response is to come back to Christ, to wake up in my own spiritual life to that relationship and to dive deeper into that relationship. I don't want to make my focus the enemy. I don't want to spend all my activity like going to try to think about him. I want to think more about Christ. I want to think more about how, how can I let him love me in a way that my attraction to sin would actually go away because I'm so fulfilled in him I don't, that I don't, I don't need the sin, you know? Um, so that, that's how I felt like I wanted to direct my response was, I, I just I, I want to go more and more into the safety and the security of who he is in my life and what he means to me and how he's desiring to love me to the deepest core of my being. Uh, and, and, and that's ultimately what's going to heal me and free me and keep me the most safe. You know? And I think a lot of times that could require a paradigm shift for ministry leaders. We're so used to working for Jesus, being in the vineyard that we forget about the Father's love. You know, we're mm. trying to execute and trying to create these programs. And in, in a large part, there's been times in my own life where I've done a great event, and then I've kind of submitted that event afterwards. Like, see, I did a good job for you, God. Now I'm worthy of your love. And it, it, it speaks to a root of brokenness and distance, that like, he, he loved me first. And so I think that there could be a paradigm shift that's required on a, on a number of levels that might be unique to ministry leaders in regards to running to the heart of Jesus. Yeah. And I think for, for ministry leaders, it's, it's so hard because we are often the ones that are in charge. We are the ones making decisions. We are the ones who are setting the course and 
the vision, even though the vision is set by God, but we are the ones, you know, leading the charge. And, and so we can often see ourselves as the protector, see ourselves as the one that is supposed to be going to battle. But I, I love that analogy that just the vision of going into the father's bedroom and, and crawling into bed and saying, help me protect me, you know, whether it's a nightmare or whatever, whenever my kids do stuff like that, they feel safe right. when they come there, you know? And so we, when we do that, we will feel safe and, and we, we can be assured of his protection in, in that surrender. And I, I just love that. Yeah. I like, I wanted to talk about something that is one of the things you said, Chris, or asked Jim was what should ministry leaders do? And when you said that, I immediately thought of when, when I see other ministry leaders doing things that I wouldn't necessarily do, I see, I say, Hey, I mean, if they do it, I can do it. Um, it's that whole thing of setting the bar. It made me remember my first experience of a youth minister and meeting him after hours. And so this was in my first role as a youth minister. And I had these ideals of holiness as, as to what it should be. Um, and then I hung out with this youth minister and, um, I mean, they were drinking, but it wasn't like drinking to get drunk, but then they started cussing and I was like, really, you know, and calling people bad names. And I was like, really, you can do this as a youth minister or you're supposed to do this as a, as a youth minister. And so that kind of lowered the bar as to what I was expected to be in my holiness. Mm. And so I think we can, we can, as ministry leaders, we can do that. We can see what other people do and excuse our own behavior because we've placed them on a pedestal and seen them as the ideal. And I know that this is something that men struggle with in particular is we, we rise to the lowest bar possible. That's why I, whenever I give a woman's talk, I tell the women, hold the bar high because the men will go to whatever bar you set. Yeah. And so we, we have to like set our own bar in a way or look to Jesus as the bar, not to other fallen humans. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because that, that whole dialogue uh, uh, where we kind of, okay, now the teens aren't around or now the, the people that we're serving. So instead of having church language, let's go ahead and use some foul language just to show this is a safe place to be vulnerable. There's better ways to share that. There's better ways to showcase that right. um, and invite people in uh, to that vulnerability. And and there's also inappropriate ways that they could also be uh, holy, like, oh, in confession the other day, I shared this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, maybe that's the other side of it, you know. But but seeking that holiness um, round the clock almost seems like more work for a ministry leader because that's what professionally you do is you model what holiness looks like. And it's like, well, I'm off the clock. But we're never off the clock of being beloved by God. Amen. I think there's going to be people who are listening to this that are struggling, uh, that that may be caught up in some area of sin or addiction or, uh, you know, may, maybe even someone who's struggling with the same thing that the, the guy down in Houston got arrested for. The distinction that I always make for people who have been volunteers and now that I'm in a diocesan role and have a lot more people that I uh, oversee, the, the distinction that I always make is if you recognize that you are in trouble and you reach out for help before a disaster happens, it's a clear path and it's a safe path. Chances are you probably won't lose your job. We're going to be able to help you get some help. And over time, you're going to be able to find some freedom 
But if you wait until something gets exposed or you get caught in some way or it somehow gets out in the open, game is over. Like there's no coming back from that. And the amount of devastation that it causes when it hits like that is almost irreparable. Uh, like all of those kids in that parish down there, I mean, you, you, you see all of the stuff as it's unfolding over, over the last week or so, like the devastation to those families and those parents and those kids and, and how their confidence is shaken and they're, they're struggling with like, well, that one area of sin now, you know, kind of taints everything that's ever been said about God and about a relationship with Christ and about the church, right? Like everything's in. It's my confirmation that I received uh, from formation from this guy still valid. Was he ever telling anything that was true? All these things get called into question. And then it goes to, well, is anything that the church shares, can anything be trusted or true? Right. Like it's huge. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know, like if, if somebody's listening today, and you are struggling in some area of sin or you, you've, you've allowed permission for some area of brokenness to coexist in your life, rouse yourself, rouse yourself and remember the dignity of your nature. Like, go get help for God's sake now. Don't let, don't let one more day go by that you let this be in your life without getting help. Don't let it become a scandal. Don't let it become some big, huge devastation to hundreds, possibly thousands of people. I'm begging for you to respond. Let, let the Holy Spirit stir something up in your heart that, that stirs you to go reach out for help. And remember, our God is bigger. Our God's love is Amen. bigger. Our sin, our brokenness, we have a pathway to healing. And oftentimes that pathway to healing requires community. So reach out. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't do it alone. And, and, and I think the, the biggest thing is I think people just need to hear there is a safe passage to healing. I, I think that's what so many people are so scared about, particularly to, in today's climate and culture. They, they just feel like if, if I'm struggling in my marriage, I can't talk to anyone about it because I'm then going to be a scandal. You know, I might lose my job or, or whatever. I just think that's one of the things that we as a church have to figure out. How do we help people be real and honest with their brokenness and help them navigate a safe path to healing and, and, and freedom, uh, no, mat no matter what they're struggling with, right? Especially when we're supposed to be the ear that listens to others, yeah. right? As ministry leaders, we're supposed to be the, one that, the ones that receive others in those type of situations. But we need that help so often as well. Absolutely. And I feel like what's coming to mind is that one of the two biggest things that keep people from seeking out that help is, is fear, you know, fear of what will happen. And you, you've mentioned this, Jim, um, but then also embarrassment, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be better. You know, if I, if I talk to someone about this, it, it's embarrassing, you know, for, for my marriage to be in trouble, it's embarrassing me for me to be wrestling with this particular sin. And so those are the two things that I think hold people back from doing this. So how, how do they get over that embarrassment, Jim? I mean, you said there's a safe path. And if you <laughs> surrender yourself, you know, you're, you're walking into dad's bedroom or whatever and saying, help me. How do they get over that embarrassment? Well, I, I think it's uh, that, that embarrassment is all pride, which is in all of us, right? Like we, we want to be the man. We, we want to be 
our own maker. You know, even Jesus wasn't a self-made man. Jesus was a father-made man. There's just a fundamental principle in the spiritual life uh, about embracing our poverty and surrendering ourselves back to the Lord and allowing him to make us. I don't know what else to say to what, what do you do with the embarrassment other than, well, get, get over it. Because <laughs> it, the, it's, it's the best thing that you can do for yourself and it's the best thing that you can do for others. Jesus never called us uh, to have it all together. He actually calls us in the midst of our brokenness and, and in the midst of all of our mess. That's where he actually loves us the most uh, because that's where the greatest transformation takes place. Recognizing what both of those emotions, what, recognizing them for what they are, you know, fear and embarrassment, anything that keeps you from exposing something to the light, those are tools of the evil one. Yeah. Um, that's what he uses you. That's what he uses to keep you where you are. That's not of God. And so it, it, don't allow him, the evil one, to use those tools to keep you where you are. Right. And we're not trying to guilt people into <laughs> talking to someone. Right. This isn't the, the goal is not to avoid scandal. The goal is not to even become more healed or something along those lines. Like we have a God that loves us so very much and every ministry leader out there says it with their lips, but sometimes forgets it in their hearts because of the busyness of the reality. Like don't turn to the Lord. Don't come to the Lord because you're trying to avoid causing scandal in your community or in your parish. Turn to the Lord because he loves you. Like there's a deeper love than whatever we struggle with. There's a greater love, a deeper fulfillment in that reality. And it's an invitation to something more. It's an invitation into something that is is natural and that we're drawn to on every level. And sometimes that gets twisted or sometimes we forget, but it's a homecoming. And that homecoming is absolutely beautiful. We have to be able to turn to the Lord and just rest in his heart and his love and let everything else kind of fall into place in an ordered way because of that. And yeah, sometimes that requires humility because we, to get to that place, have turned from the Lord. But it's just a beautiful invitation. Amen. Amen. So how has the response been? I know you sent that email out. What was the response in regards to it? Were there some personal reactions? I know that there were a number of people that joined you in that novena. Um, but tell, tell me a little bit more about uh, if that was something to where you were like, okay, I'm not the only one. This message wasn't just for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got pretty immediate response from a lot of people who, who said, that just really resonates with me. I've been sensing the same thing. You know, so I got that over and over again. Uh, I didn't send, I didn't send that out to a, a big list. Like I, I only had about fifty or sixty names that I originally sent it to, but o over a couple hundred people ended up signing up. Uh, on uh, I'd done a, a little simple sign up thing online, and over a couple hundred people signed up for that and uh, and participated in it. So I mean, I it, it was definitely enough of uh, of a response. Uh, from the small little thing that I sent out that it, it was like, okay, this definitely seemed to hit on hit a chord that is resonating with a lot of people. So it was, it was a good confirmation for me. But, but again, I mean, okay. I, I felt like this was something God was doing in my life and something he was inviting me to. And uh, I, I was just glad that other people felt a similar, a similar tug. And that to me says two things. One is that uh, this problem is not, or this uh, kind of culture is not specific to 
just you. If you are listening and you feel isolated in in your sin or your situation or your struggle, it's not just you. Other people are sensing this in, in the culture. And the, and the second is that others are struggling as well. I know that sounds like the same thing, but one's perspective, but one's introspective. And uh, and so it's. It, I think that if you do step up and say something and reach out, that there's other people that are going to be like, yes, I was there once as well, and this is how I found my pathway back. Hmm. Like there's other people who have stood in the hole that you're in and found the pathway out of it. Please reach out because they know where you're at. They've been where you've been. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. Well, as we come to the end, um, Jim, how can people reach out to you if they feel like they want to they talk to you a little bit further? How can they reach you? I'm, I'm online. I work for the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, so they can find me there. I also have M- Impact Center website. They can find me on either one of those sites online. So Great. And then I noticed uh, when you gave the analogy of your kids coming into your room and, uh, and you mentioned you grabbed a baseball bat, um, if that actually happened, you would probably grab a Cutco knife <laughs> and, uh, and just, I don't, just prove how good, how good the Cutco knives actually are. Yeah. His, kids, his kids over the last couple of summers have been just spectacular salespeople for Cutco, if you're not familiar with it. Uh, you can find Jim and, and, and get a referral on that as well. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I, just, I just saw a missed opportunity. I was like, forget the broadsword. Get the Cutco knife, Jim. Get the Cutco <laughs> knife, you know? So. That's funny. As Jim was talking earlier, when he was telling us to rouse ourselves, I felt the Holy Spirit moving. And if you were while you were listening, if you if you felt your heart burning and you needed to reach out to someone and you don't even know where to reach, you can email us at mla at ablazeyouth.org. We like we are not counselors or anything like that, but we can absolutely get you in touch with with the, the right people. And Jim, would you would you say the same thing? Absolutely. Yeah. And then another action item, if for some reason you were stirred and and you just want to take some sort of action, the action that you recommended and, and kind of got people mobilized for was the surrender novena. Could you just speak a little bit about what that novena was? Yeah. And, and actually, the way that I came across that thing was so weird. Somebody introduced me to that early in the summer. Uh and I'd never heard of it before, but then I've seen it like 15 times since then. Like it was like everywhere I went, I kept seeing that novena. The guy who wrote it is uh, Don Delindo Ruotolo. He was a, you know, kind of a con- contemporary of Padre Pio and very, very simple. This is a very simple spirituality and simple prayer. You know, you, you, you end up saying like 10 times every day. Uh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything, you know, which is just a great prayer to to be saying. What what happened over the summer? What was interesting is um, several weeks later, I was at another conference and I was having coffee with a friend, and they had a book sitting on the table uh, called "Come Holy Spirit," and uh, I was like, "Oh, what's that?" and and they were telling me like, "Oh, this is amazing." book about the whole the holy spirit and it's it's been kind of rocking my world and so i ended up ordering the book on amazon before i even got home and started reading that in my prayer time throughout the rest of the summer and then at the end of the summer when this whole thing stirred in me and i I was right i was actually crafting the email the, the morning that i was writing the email that i sent out to everybody i'm looking at the surrender prayer and I'm looking at the book sitting on my prayer table next to me. 
and it's the same author. Wow. <laughs> and like I, the two things are completely unrelated to each other and came to me through different people at different times. But, you know, if there was any theme over the summer, it was the the surrender novena in this book, Come Holy Spirit. And like it was written by the same person and I never knew it. <laughs> like it was hysterical. Oh, the way the Holy Spirit moves in your life. I just love it. It's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So we'll we'll have that novena posted in the show notes as well as on our Facebook group, and uh, you guys can check it out there. Let's continue the conversation online. Thank you guys for listening. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders. I would argue that this is the most shareable episode of Ministry Leaders Anonymous to date. Please share it with one other person. Amen. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. And God bless you.